Welcome to CS Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 164 of CS Radio. I'm J. Michael DeAngelis. And I'm Natty Leach. And today, we're quiet quitting. That's the sound of us quiet quitting. <laughs> Just uh, prior to recording, uh, discussing the... I, I threw out the term quiet quitting and and Natty's like yeah I'm suddenly hearing that but I I don't really know what its origins are or why people are talking about it so we thought well this is a perfect chance to discuss it here on the podcast particularly because it does tie in very nicely with last week's episode where we're talking about setting boundaries in the workplace and this is um, a a way of doing that some might say an extreme way of doing that Uh, I will be up front uh, here and say uh, as longtime listeners know, I'm very particular about language, and I do not like the phrase quiet quitting because none of it involves quitting. <laughs> and I feel um, strongly that words should be used um, properly. <laughs> um, uh, you're well, well, so Natty, now that we've talked a little bit about it, what how do you define? this term quiet quitting. I was say, let's go into it more because I think even from the language side, you can dissect a lot into it. So, I mean, at face value, it is the idea that people who are working long hours feel incredibly stressed in their job, feel that they're trying to manage too many things all at once or too much is expected of them. Um, that people are trying to reclaim their own work-life balance and personal balance. This is where it ties into the boundaries piece. But people are trying to reclaim that work-life balance by essentially doing the absolute bare minimum. Um, and that's where the term comes from, quiet quitting, is doing nothing more than it was what what's required and kind of blending into the background and just doing what you need to do to get by. Um, I think to your point, the language around that is interesting, right? Even the implication that doing just what is required of you implies that you're quitting or that you are bound to quit soon or in the near future, I think has interesting implications into how we look at work um, and and our own, our own self value and balance of, of, of work and life. Uh, we just yesterday were Natty and I were in a presentation by Penn's Human Resources Department about uh, a revamp uh, they have recently done to the uh, sort of yearly staff evaluation that we go through, and they've reintroduced uh, after a couple of years of not having it, they've reintroduced sort of a ranking system that you get in your yearly review with your supervisor from one to five and five being exceeds all expectations. And they talked about that as something that really shouldn't be given to everyone because that means they're doing things outside of their job scope and stepping up. And to which I was like, well, that's every person I've ever met at Penn, right? (laughs) Like everyone should be getting a five because we all do things outside of our exact job description. um, And we all volunteer extra time and, and things and so I it always and has for a long time uh, it always uh, bristles me when they say you shouldn't be giving those out <laughs> so yes when, why why not the plan- when, so when statements like that are made I absolutely understand when people go then why will why should I do those extra things if I'm not going to be rewarded for them and I do understand that if you Um, are putting in a lot of extra time for things that aren't strictly in your job uh, 
description, you're quote unquote, you know, being a team player, you're going that extra mile and there's no recognition for it, then I completely understand. I was going to say recognition too, because there's, there's reward, which obviously we all want. We all would love to, for, to be rewarded monetarily or in some capacity, but even just, I think recognition is the bare minimum that I think many of us would hope for when, when going above and beyond in our our work or making sure that we're being particularly diligent in how we, we think about new initiatives or how we tackle the problems that we have in front of us. Um, even just recognition is, is is good. It's good to have. I think about this so much in terms of my job, which we mentioned many times has a lot of different aspects to it. But if I were to quiet quit and just do my job description, I think of all the things that would go away. This podcast, the podcast. this podcast, our YouTube channel, me doing any advising with students, me doing any kind of programming, me sitting on any committees, it would all go away. My job is to manage our online platforms and our social media presence. It's very true of many job positions. I think yours is a particularly interesting combination of things, but so many people will have a job description where they come in thinking from what they read, what they applied to, it's going to be one thing and realize, Oh, there's actually a lot more responsibilities to that. And it's an interesting idea. I mean, we're doing a lot of hiring here um, in career services right now. Um, we have a good bit of open positions that we're hiring for. In particular, there's some coordinator positions, some associate director positions. Um, but looking at those positions, one of the things we're being particularly mindful of is how we're framing and the things we're thinking about in that job description so that we can be as accurate as possible. That being said, I've found it to be really challenging. It's it's really hard to pin down what are the things that should be required of this person as part of the job function versus what are the things that the person in this role previously did that were extraordinary that we really valued. But how, how do we really grapple with the idea of what they were doing was really above and beyond um, versus what we should essentially be asking of, of any person who might come into this position in the future. So what is your take then? Um, so we sort of understand what it is. Um, what is your take on this phenomenon? And why are we hearing so much about it right now? Uh, I think it has a lot to do with uh, this sort of great resignation is the other phrase we've heard, right? A lot of places are having retention problems. So there may be more work for the people who have stayed in the jobs um, and a lot of pressure to fill the gaps it's certainly related to that i think as lots of organizations and companies have staffing changes going on as people either leave or new people come all sorts of new tasks are getting put at the door at the desk of whoever that person might be whether that's even the basics of training a new staff member. Sometimes that's not exactly in the job description of anyone in particular, but you might be asked to, Oh, train this person and get them up to speed on all these things. Um, so, so I think it definitely stems from that to an extent. I think it also just stems from over, um, over the years where we were predominantly working remotely. I think everyone had a greater sense of work-life balance that even those who aren't maybe in that situation where they, they're now being asked more of, I think there's a realization to the idea of, oh, I was always 
doing much, much more than really what the job position was necessarily asking of me. So I think part of the idea is reclaiming that balance between how much is invested in into the work versus how much is invested into someone's own life and, and wellness, mental um, well-being and all of those other things. I think it's also part of it, even if they aren't at an organization that's strapped for resources or strapped for, um, for talent or new hires, um, just suddenly knowing what, what that balance is and how that feels differently now, um, than it used to, even though it might be the same work or the same kind of environment that you were in before. So uh, I really do feel like this ties into what we talked about last week in terms of setting workplace boundaries. Um, and I think a lot of this is a, a lot of this is very charged language right now. There are people championing this and saying this is what you should always like. No one should. The anti-work have, movement is right, part of it, too. Should, we have never should have done any more than we were asked to do to begin with. Right. Um it's got to do with pay and it's got to do right mm -hmm. it's like this is what you're paying me to do this is what i'm going to do anything extra i should get extra pay uh and then there are people on the other side going that's just not how the world works and there's what your job is on paper and then there's you know w what it is in reality and uh sometimes there are things that become your job that aren't on paper and i think in an office like ours that is very true, and I, I, I choose to look at it in a positive light where we have a staff that is encouraged to bring their personal talents to the table. So some, you know, somebody says, I really have an interest in, uh, in making a podcast. We're encouraged to explore that, right? So it becomes part of our office culture, if not actually on paper. And who knows, maybe the next time we sit down to look at my job description it'll go in there right it's become part of the job and it, were i to leave theoretically they would want this podcast to keep going so um they might make sure it's built into any job posting right so that's the positive side on it but i absolutely understand the other side and uh when i think about it and when i've talked to people about it here at penn or friends that are working elsewhere that are having these sorts of conversations uh, I think back to what we were talking about yesterday and, and setting boundaries and having conversations about it. Like, what would it do harm if you said to your supervisor, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z, but I am doing A, B, and C, and I have an interest in D, right? So, like, what would the outcome of that um, be? Is why aren't those conversations happening? Yeah, and I think. That's the best point is it comes down to conversations and I think it ties in so closely with what it's kind of an evolution of what we mentioned before with the setting boundaries piece um, for people who feel like they are starting to check out because they're they're overworked or overstressed um, having a conversation with a supervisor about what are the essentials of what need to get done and what are the things that I feel I can bring that maybe are unique or go above and beyond this that are of particular either interest to me or a strength of my own that I think I could bring to this element of it. Um, having those conversations can really change the dynamic or the impression that you have on your own work in a lot of ways too. Um, it, it's certainly a choice, right? It's a choice that you could make. You, you could say to yourself that 
I, I would like to start quiet quitting because um, I am more invested in what I want to do in the future, not at this organization. Um, but I want to start doing just the bare minimum just to get by and put my sights elsewhere, whether that's on your personal life or applying to new jobs or whatever it might be. So let's think about that for a second. Um, how might quiet quitting have an effect on my job search? Because if I start putting in, if I start being a three instead of a four or a four instead of yep. a five, when my current employer is called for references, isn't that going to be reflected? That's exactly what I was going to say. I think with any choice, and we think about this a lot in a lot of the ways that we advise people, in any choice, you should think about what are the intended or maybe even unintended consequences of this choice that I'm making. So one potential consequence of quiet quitting could be that you have a worse relationship with your supervisor, your direct supervisor or your colleagues. Um, they might think less of you that might hurt your reputation for future things that you apply to just in the scenario you mentioned and how you're being evaluated or how people are reflecting upon you if they if you're required to have references um it could hurt your reputation at your current organization maybe you like your organization overall but you don't love the job you're in so you don't necessarily want to hurt the perception of you as a worker in that organization because maybe you're looking to make a, a lateral move or a move that's within the organization just not within the office or the department that you're in currently. Um, so I think thinking about how that, that affects all of those things is really important when you're making a decision like this. Um, and one of the things you said earlier is there, there's kind of the two sides of it, right? That we should always be doing this because that's what we're paid for versus that we should never be doing this because that's not how the world works. Um, I think it's one of those scenarios where both are kind of right. Um, I think both sides have a point there. There is certainly an element of we have jobs, we're paid for those jobs, we should be doing what's there. But every position in the world, there's more that you could add to it. And there is a self-serving nature. You are helping yourself in some way by providing extra to that role, whether that's an immediate obvious step of, oh, hey, we recognize maybe you're at a, an organization that values the quantifiable pieces of or metrics of how you serve your client. Maybe you sold 20 cars in a month versus selling 10 cars in a month. Maybe that's really obvious, right? And then you going above and beyond to make sure those cars are sold leads to a direct representation in your salary or in a bonus or something like that. Um, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe your work is more administrative or um, more team building and there's not a clear cut, oh, this metric was achieved and that leads to this exact bonus but it builds favor for you in within the organization. You, you, you broaden your network. You have a great reputation there because of the work that you put in. Um, and that might help you in the future for prospects that come your way um, within that organization. They might think of you first, um, or it might help you in the future as you're seeking jobs elsewhere, where it, it will be hard for anyone who's your direct supervisor to say anything bad about you when their impression is this person always exceeds my expectations. Uh, another aspect of this that I think is worth talking about and comes to us from our favorite source of article review, The Muse, who has a great article up right now, which we'll link to in the show notes, called Not Everyone Can Quiet Quit. And it talks a lot about how there are existing biases in the workplace, including race, gender, even job level, um, that can feed into an employer's 
perception of you. And so if you're a woman or a person of color, uh, the chances of you already being perceived as doing less than a white man are kind of upsettingly high. And so if you start, quote unquote, quiet quitting and just doing the minimum, they may actually perceive that you're doing less than the minimum. Uh, so I really think that those things are worth considering, too. It's a really upsetting reality, but a reality that has to be considered when you're thinking about making a move like this. Yeah, definitely. And I think about that a lot in terms of uh, it, it's one of the reasons why whenever we talk about any topic, we bring in so many different sides and angles yeah. of how this might affect the individual who's making this choice. Um, because there are so many moving parts that might be different for you versus someone else that we might be talking to. And um, I, I can absolutely see it if I'm in a position where I already feel like I'm being treated as less or if I feel like I'm doing more work than my male counterparts, but they're getting all the recognition, then, you know, F it. I'm, not, I'm already being looked down upon. Why, why should I break my back? Absolutely. And, and there's an element of... Yes, if you, like that can be empowering in a way to you as an individual, and that can be a really strong sense of both self worth and your own mental health to be able to break out of that 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 impression, that negative impression of you to to kind of get on the other side of it and reclaim that for yourself. I think can be really powerful. Um, but again, like how does that feed into maybe unintended consequences of what that might mean? It's similar to a conversation we have with students a lot about reneging on offers where mm -hmm. they are, are thinking about it from the perspective of what, what is best for me in this exact moment. Um, so they might get an offer. Maybe it's from their, they apply to five companies and this is the, the fourth best one of the, what they applied to. Um, and they're still waiting to hear back from, from four other ones. Um, the idea being like, should they accept that? And then, go back on their agreement of accepting it down the road once that top choice comes in later? Um, or should they decline it right away because it's really not their top choice? Well, let me read this quote that I think ties into what we're talking about. It's from, from the article, and it talks about um, why someone feels that they can't quiet quit. I can't quiet quit, says Danny Lynn Fountain, a senior software engineer sourcer for Google, who is biracial, plus size, queer, and neurodivergent. As a recruiter of talent for the tech giant who helps candidates throughout the application process, Fountain has seen how coming from historically underrepresented or marginalized backgrounds can affect job applicants as well as current employees, herself included. Marginalized people have built reputations of going above and beyond, leaving absolutely no doubt as to the quality of our performance. And that just doesn't jive with quiet quitting. So there's someone who feels exactly like we were talking about, feels like they're already coming at it from a disadvantage. So they have to hit it out of the park every time. And they want to hit it out of the park every time. And what's most interesting that, so going back to the, the point that I lost there earlier about reneging is you might think about that as a personal decision of what is best for me, but there's also the idea of how does this affect others like me? Yeah. So I think here at Penn, we're often thinking about it from the very least standpoint as being, how does this affect the employer's perception of other Penn students? If they had multiple Penn students every year, they applied to something all pull out, go back on their agreement and leave them um, high and dry, 
they're going to start thinking, man, maybe I shouldn't hire Penn students. So I think that quote that you just said is particularly, um, I can see how that's even more stressful beyond just how they feel about themselves. They feel like they're representing exactly uh, multiple classes of people there. Yeah. Yes. And how that decision might not only influence how they're perceived, but how people like them are also perceived, which makes it even, even more complicated a decision of how to, how to go about it. Well, it's a it's a hugely complicated topic. We're only scratching the surface of it today. I really encourage everyone to read the article that we'll link in the Muse and the article that they're linking to sort of about the origins of this term quiet quitting and how it took off on TikTok and Twitter and, and where it's all come from. Um, and have these conversations. Have them with your coworker. Have them with your supervisor. Yeah, bringing it back to how the, it evolves from the setting boundaries element is that's what's most important is – is be open in your communication with your supervisor when possible. If not possible, then that's when you start thinking about those other options. But if you're having an open conversation, usually that'll help you advocate for yourself and often lead to a better situation than you're in currently if you're able to best express the positive elements. We mentioned last week how you can set a boundary while still maintaining a positive attitude. Maybe rather than thinking about feeling like you need to quiet quit and what potential risks there might be involved with that, having a conversation that showcases, these are the things that I don't feel confident or comfortable doing based on my current role, but these are the things that I'm really confident about that I'm excited to do and I think go above and beyond and will help maybe even address those same things that you're thinking about asking me of doing. Um, so those conversations can so help with with setting both those boundaries, but also giving you an opportunity to go above and beyond in a way that works well for you and your own strengths and, and gifts that you bring to that role. I would love to get the uh, career service staff together and have a brown bag on this topic. I think there would be a lot of interesting things said from multiple perspectives. Oh yeah, there'll be people people screaming never quiet quit. There'll be people screaming always quiet quit. Yeah. It'll it'll be I'm a, quiet a quitting right now. <laughs> uh, well, by the time you're listening to this, uh, fall break will just have wrapped up, but we're about to roll into it here. Sam, any fall break plans? Nope, just sprint football and sleep. Well, sleep is always good. I mean, those are my favorite kind of plans when when you can just relax a little bit more than usual. Maybe maybe edit a podcast. Maybe quiet quit. Who knows? Oh, who knows? Who knows? I'm going to get Sam's going to be like, yeah, here's the whole file. Al takes it all. There it is. I made you a podcast. You asked for 30 minutes of silence and here it is. <laughs> uh, well, I hope uh, you had a relaxing fall break. Uh, and uh, we will be back uh, next week with our first guests of the season. Fingers crossed. We've been having some scheduling issues, but we hope that we're going to have two great guests on the show next week. So until then, we'll see you next time on CS Radio. This podcast is presented by University of Pennsylvania Career Services, a division of University Life. It was created by me, Lynn Kirshner, and J. Michael DeAngelis. It was produced and hosted by J. Michael DeAngelis and Natty Leach, and mixed and edited by Sam Pasco. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you're listening. See you next time on CS Radio.